And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. I'm sorry. You can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! And time, and time again. Crank up the music. Charge your glass. This nation is going to dance all night. Jamie Redknapp versus modern evidence-based substitutions. Stunning etymological news for Latin-speaking fullbacks. Stephen Warnock goes Gangnam style for reasons we will never fully understand. Moonwalking towards relegation. A new twist for the corridor of uncertainty. Can you smash and grab a nil-nil? Can one game come thick and fast? Rosalia's reggaeton referee references. Sensational in-house commentary scenes from the championship. Leaky blinders. The silenced chainsaws of MLS. And the bumperest possible edition of Keys and Grey Corner. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 140 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me, a changed squad. First of all, Nick Miller. How's it going? Yeah, not bad. How are you? Yeah, really, really good. So much to cover in the adjudication panel today. I hope you're excited. Well, how can I not be excited? Mm-hmm. Uh, alongside you for this one, James Moore. Maybe it's testament to the strength in depth for today's adjudication panel that we couldn't squeeze in Ali McCoist at Borough Market. Yeah, possibly, yeah. I was going to say, is this kind of League Cup squad rotation that we've got going on? No, 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 okay. no, not at all. Yeah, as I say, these are the options I have at my disposal and I can use them whenever I want, i.e. when Charlie Eccleshare is away <laughs> and Dave Walker's on a very long stag do in Texas or something. Um, but yeah, nonetheless, both very welcome. Okay. <laughs> this is going to be the best hour of your weeks, I think, respectively. I don't, I don't doubt it. Yeah. Let's begin... With the Carabao Cup final, please. There was so much that we could cover from this game. The idea that this was the ultimate nil-nil, you know, a great advert for the Carabao, all of that sort of stuff. But what I really want to do is just reduce it all to a constant stream of Jamie Redknapp opprobrium about substituting goalkeepers before a penalty shootout. The finale, you you couldn't write it. I hope it puts to bed these substitutions now of putting... You know, goalkeepers on. Edouard Mendy's one of the best goalkeepers in the world. You bring on Kepper instead of him. Ridiculous. I didn't like his behaviour during when the penalties were being taken. And then he took one of the worst penalties we've ever seen. So I hope, man, I hope that, no, I'm just being honest. I don't like it. I don't like, I don't understand why you why you do it. You've got one of the best goalkeepers in the world. He should have stayed in there in the first place. But full credit to Liverpool. You know, amazing game. And at this stage, I don't, I don't like Thomas, it. I think it's rubbish. But if, you, if you're Thomas Tuchel, you're not looking at that I, I, thinking, well, Mendy's more likely to score. <laughs> but Mendy's as, as likely to save him. He's one of the best goalkeepers in the world. I just think it's rubbish. I've seen it done before. <laughs> do you know what I think it is? I think it's a case of being too clever for your own good. Because you've got no, a goalkeeper. Yeah, I do. Why is it not? No. Like, Thomas Tuchel wouldn't make that decision if he felt. What, so he can't give... save a penalty, the other fella? No, but what I'm saying is, why would a manager make a decision that, that would give him less chance yeah. of winning? Well, he's not he doing it. He's just trying to. I just don't think you're complicating it. Mendy's a bigger goalkeeper. He can make a better save. There's no reason why you could. There's no. How can you say that well, they couldn't have look, won it if Mendy had been in goal? I never yet. said that. What I'm saying is, there's no way the manager is going to make it. But not, he's, give he's, less he's done it before. It is rubbish. He's done it. He's done it before, and it's worked out before. So it can't work out with the other guy. I just think it's nonsense, and it proved nonsense today. He didn't get near saving a penalty. Not even close. Yeah, but neither did Keller. Yeah, but. <laughs> okay. Well, that maybe it doesn't matter though, does it? It's not because why are you bringing him on? There's every chance the other guy no, could have had, had success doing done. that. Yes, they have, but they could have had success keeping the other keeper in as well. No, but I'm saying, who knows what would have happened? But what I'm saying is, the reason Thomas Tuchel's taken that decision because he's taken that decision before and it won, and they won, they won the Super Cup. I, I know. 
but he could have won it with Edouard Mendy in goal as well. It doesn't mean it's I a right thing I think it's more a psychological thing. Yeah, and that didn't work either. So, Nick, I wanted to play that clip in its entirety because it's so the gradual unravelling of Jamie Redknapp in both emotion and logic is really, it's really great to see. The way he stuck to his guns in the face of all the calm logic being fired at him was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I, I, you wondered at what point during that whole argument, Carragher and Hasselbank just sort of thought, realised, actually, there's no, what's the point in arguing back to this brick wall? I'll tell you when it was. It was the point where Jamie Redknapp simply said, it's wrong. <laughs> or I'm not having it. Uh, yeah, um, I trying to th- yeah trying to think what my favourite bit is. I think it's just that the little pause, the little red nappy and pause. I'm now describing it, James, as when he, when he's faced with an argument that he just can't you can't counter. He just goes, yeah, so what, so what. <laughs> yeah, he kind of takes it on board and then just completely disregards yeah. it. I mean, I'm compl- I'm really surprised that he's that he's so passionate about a thing like that. But it doesn't strike me as the kind of thing that Jamie Redknapp would get annoyed about. He seems to generally get more annoyed about kind of... Uh, like, say, the thing that happened in the previous League Cup final with, with Chelsea and uh, Kepa, where he wouldn't come off for the shootout, yeah. where the whole thing was reversed. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of, like, disrespecting your manager. That's the kind of thing I expect Jamie Redknapp to get annoyed about. Not a thing like this, where it's kind of... Like a sort of tactical thing. Yeah, exactly. It seems a, a bizarre thing for him to get annoyed Maybe this is sort of residual beef from, from that. He's not. He isn't actually annoyed about the the tactic. He's just he hates Kepper and is just expressing <laughs> it through this in this way. Well, I mean, regardless of regardless of the motivation here, James, there's all, there's there's clearly a little element of of proper football man coming in here. He, he he's identified a newfangled thing that seems to be an on vogue thing that managers do, and he doesn't like it. Um, to an extent, and which is why I'm particularly interested in the whole clip. Is I, I sympathise with his point of view. Because he's taking a kind of evidence-based approach. He's seen that it doesn't work or it hasn't worked. And he says he doesn't like it. Um, so the whole debate, the best thing about this whole debate is there is there is no right answer. Because everyone's talking in kind of hypothesis. This might have happened if, if goalkeeper X has stayed on. So if anything, it's kind of the ideal piece of punditry. Because no one will ever be right. And it just goes round and round in circles. And people just sort of thoroughly enjoy it as they sit and watch it. But, but surely to the proper football man, there's no pressure on a goalkeeper in a shootout, is there? He can never be the villain. He can only be the hero. So surely Renap is completely wrong to, to suggest that Kepper is in the, is in the wrong. Yeah. Uh, also, also, like the, feeding into the proper football man thing, the, the little almost throwaway line about him, I didn't like his behaviour during the, the shootout, which presumably he was referring to the Van Dyke penalty. Oh, the, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Yeah, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this because um, yeah, some of the anger, some of the irritation here is, is not without foundation, Nick, because among Kepper Aretha Balaga's various mini humiliations in the shootout, was him standing very emphatically to his right-hand side for Virgil van Dijk's penalty. And it's something I thought, I've always wondered what would happen if a goalkeeper ever did do that, or if indeed you did it yourself in like five-a-side or something. Would you rattle someone enough? The answer emphatically was no. <laughs> I have seen it done. I've seen that exact thing done in my five-a-side game, and it didn't work then either. So <laughs> it, it was a very good case study, James, for... One of my favourite little things of a penalty shootout is when a goalkeeper tries something, doesn't work, the player who scores the penalty is sort of um, defiant about it and they both share a little glance. And there's so many layers to this particular glance between Van Dijk and Kepa because Kepa's almost sort of mid to late dive and he's already looking around at Van Dijk going, ah, damn you. And Van Dijk's just giving him the longest stare in the world, waiting for him to acknowledge his stare. There's so many layers to it. A lot of the decorum of the kind of first two hours of a football match does go out of the window in a shootout, doesn't it? Like a lot of the a lot of those kind of glances and kind of knowing looks you just never would really see in normal yeah. play. Yeah. When 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 a player tries something and it doesn't come off, an opposition player won't you know look at them in that way. I mean, I know obviously they're standing face to face in that situation, so it's way more natural. But you wouldn't see, you know, if. If a player tries to nutmeg someone else and can't get past them and lose the ball, no one's stopping yes. and kind of staring at him and saying, point. You made, you've made a mistake, mate. It's only in the shootout that you see It's that. It's like a collision of so many kind of hidden codes of football. Sort of, yeah, all coming together in one, in one sort of passage of football. It's, it's really bizarre. I don't know how many transgressions of these codes were taking place at that point. But um, some other questions arising from this shootout, Nick. Matthew Schotter writes in and says, The commentator on Talk Sport said that Trevor Chalabar blazed his penalty in. Oh, 
You can no. only blaze a penalty over the bar, yeah, yeah, yeah. surely, says Matthew Schotter. Yeah, there's only one place you can blaze a penalty. Blaze implies you know, blaze is Chris Waddle. Blaze yeah. implies some form of lack of control. I yeah. think. I I mean, blazing in is wrong, James. Blazing over is fine. I'm kind of tempted to allow blazing wide as long as you have the elevation. Can you blaze into your own goal? No, because bla- it, bla- it feels pejorative. It feels like it's a negative thing. Yeah, but it's also a, so a if you like, you know, there's an air kick and you slice it and it goes up into the roof. You're like near the goal no, line. No, you slice it and it goes up into the roof of no. your own net. No, well, that's, um, that's, that's just your own net. That, that's just slicing, surely. I think. I suppose yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I yeah, think you can blaze point. wide um, if it's you know it's, yeah. you know emphatic enough and the trajectory is is weird and elevated but enough. You, you, dr- you would drill a shot wide, wouldn't you? Or pull a shot wide, surely. Can you drill a shot? Drill implies. Again, some form of preciseness and control. Screw, screw. Yeah, yeah I don't you think screw. you can drill wide. Okay, yeah. you can screw wide. You can pull. I wide. used to work for BNQ. I should know this, but yeah, screw. <laughs> this is good. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's yeah, it's very DIY, isn't it? Um, Patrick Murphy James says on Five Live in the build-up, someone referred to the Carabao Cup as a tournament, which didn't sit right. A tournament for me is a continuous competition interrupted by no other games between Game 1 and the final. World Cup, AFCON, Euros, etc. Thank you for explaining it, Patrick Murphy. Um, are you happy with Carabao Cup as not a tournament? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that definition is quite good. Yeah. I would. I mean, you need a group stage, don't you, for a tournament? If it's, gonna, if it's just a straight knockout, surely it's a cup. No, I think it just I needs mean, to be continuous without thing. Question. Like, I don't know. Um, are there any examples of a, of a sort of summer tournament that doesn't have a group stage? Don't think there is, actually. Well, I mean, the Probably the not. the the Euros did, did the Euros you, you, way back when the Euros didn't have a group stage. Would you still still call that a tournament? Hmm, mm. Interesting. Um, I, I would instinctively say instinctively agree that uh, it shouldn't be a tournament, while also yeah. being aware that I've almost certainly, like, a, on a second mention or something at some point uh, down the years, I've almost certainly called it a tournament. So. It just doesn't feel grand enough to be called a tournament, does it? Tournament feels quite grand. It feels like it should have some lofty status and the league cup it just doesn't have that oh but the papa john's trophy i think has a group stage oh uh, that's true but it's not grand so yeah. i don't know it's not a tournament it's a competition it's, not, yeah. it's the same thing yeah, yeah definitely same. It's, a, it's a technical point uh, i will also allow the cup for um when you're in the moment of winning a league cup but anything either side of that the day before the day after and onwards it cannot be known as the cup it's, it's lowercase c as well with the League oh, Cup, yeah. Brian. Up, uppercase c with the FA Yeah, Cup. maybe, maybe. Yeah, sure. this is good. Standard stuff. This is very, very good. But um, uh, big challenge for you next, though. Nick, how's your Latin? Mm, patchy. Uh, James, By which yours, I mean non-existent. James, is yours better or worse than, say, Frank Lampard's? I would say probably worse. Okay, good, okay, good opening question. Right, uh, a little quiz for you to line this one up. Nick... If a winger is dominating their opposing fullback to the point of exasperation, what sort of time are they said to be giving them? Torrid. Correct. James, similarly, what does that winger have that fullback on? Uh, is it toast? It is toast. So we've had torrid and toast. Incredibly, this blew my mind. This is from Robbo Flaneur. Both words have the same origin. The Latin torera, which means to parch, burn, or scorch. This is amazing. Wow. This is amazing to me. That is amazing. Toast and torrid come from the same word. James, would you say this is deliberate on football's part? I'm thinking not. Uh, no, I would be very surprised if it mm. was. Mm. There aren't too many Latin scholars in football, are there, really? No, I, couldn't, I can't think of many. Or it all came about due to the, you know, a big Roman derby and, you know, the... Uh, Sort of 200 BC or something, yeah. and that's where both words came from. <laughs> yeah. a, w- a winger giving a uh, a fullback a torrid time mm. back they in those just, days. They just weren't good enough going back the other way, were they? Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely right. But yeah, that stunned me. And nice to have a little bit of etymology on the Football Clichés podcast. Um, 140 episodes too late. Uh, next up, um, just to bring the tone and general height of brow down a little bit for you, uh, we couldn't not do this. This is Stephen Warnock uh, describing Jurgen Klopp's style of football on Match of the Day 2. When, when Jurgen Klopp came into the Premier League, they played Gangnam style football, Gangnam press, it was heavy, heavy metal. Open <laughs> <laughs> Gangnam style Nick, I wouldn't, I, I mean, I say this quite a lot to the point where it actually defeats my point, but I wouldn't normally want to jump on someone misspeaking. Um, but I just, I cannot get my head round why he would have gone with Gangnam if he couldn't remember 
Gagan press. I, I just I just don't know how that would have become well, at the front of the queue in his head. I guess the the less generous interpretation is it's just two foreign words, and he's from, just, from about 2014 as well. Yeah, probably. yeah, yeah. That's true. Uh, maybe he was just he was uh, you know listening to Psy before uh, going on air, so Gangnam Style was just in his head, and he just got a little bit mixed up. Who knows? Aside from the statement itself, James, I think my favourite bit about this was Leon Osman's little look down <laughs> just after he'd absorbed what had just happened. <laughs> it's like really Stephen Warnock had, had tried like a penanka in a penalty shootout and it hadn't quite worked out. That's the look. <laughs> so much going through his head as he looks down into nowhere, <laughs> just thinking, I don't know what to do here. I can't correct it. I definitely can't correct it. Um, and Nick, I mean, Nick, what would you do in this situation as a fellow pundit? I think you've just got to let it slide, haven't you? Uh, I think it's you have to um, leave it to the presenter. Uh, actually, this would have been Chappers, wouldn't it? It's quite surprised. Chappers seems like the ideal person to make a bit of a joke out of it. No, he and nodded it, along very politely as, as, oh, as, a, as a pro would. As a pro would. Yeah, because it, it, it's it, you could you could either you could easily see that be the source of some banter. Maybe it's the kind of thing that you, he would have gone for on a kind of longer radio show, and you know, with a a, a, a tight analysis section, he just decided to let it slide. Yeah, um, my sympathies to Stephen Warnock. It happened. I don't know how, but it did. Um, next up in the subgenre of football punditry meets um, dance move adjacent chat. Here's Aaron McLean on the Totally Football League show discussing late Orient's form that led to the departure of Kenny Jackett. I don't think that they're they're going to be in danger of of going down because there's there's a lot worse teams than than Orient. But in terms of progress, they just really haven't made any. And and like I say, the turn of the year, they they seem to be just moonwalking towards the the lower end of the division, and and that's definitely not what Kenny Jackett was was brought in for. <laughs> Kenny Jacket wasn't brought in for his moonwalking. No. <laughs> I think that, that makes more sense than sleepwalking. It does. Like it. You, you think you're moving forward, but actually you're moving backwards. <laughs> it actually genuinely makes more sense. I think it makes it would make sense if it was uh, if they like a team was twenty points clear at the top or something like that. It's so easy that they're moonwalking now. It's like a it's like a a, a, a bit of flair, a bit of flamboyance, just show off and show. Yeah, exactly. I mean. Sleepwalking towards relegation, Nick, is, is is the team sort of careless, n- n- not aware of the plight that they're in. Mm. Uh, moonwalking suggests a team that just don't care. They just don't care. Don't give a shit. Let's do it. Let's get Fuck relegated. It. Don't let's mind. Just, if we're going to go down, let's go down in some style. Next up, uh, a book dropped through my letterbox last week from Dr. Gareth Carroll, senior lecturer in psycholinguistics at the University of Birmingham, Nick. And he's the author of Jumping Sharks and Dropping Mics, Modern Idioms and Where They Come From. So very much my, uh, my wheelhouse, some might say. Um, so I flick straight to the chapter about sport. And he's dedicated a whole section to the origins of the corridor of uncertainty, a phrase we've covered often on this podcast. Now, as I imagine you think, popular belief sides with Jeffrey Boycott who claimed to have come up with it on the spot, he says, while commentating in the West Indies in 1990. So, I mean, would you say that it's it's predominantly a cricket phrase than a football one? Yeah, kind of also applies... Predominantly cricket also applies to the area between goalkeeper and, and uh, back four. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably maybe put it 60-40 in cricket's favour, James, yeah. just about. Yeah, that sounds about right, yeah. Yeah, just, you know, let's respect tradition. Dr. Carroll has traced it back slightly further, James, to Australian bowler Terry Alderman, who coined the phrase in or around 1989. So getting a little bit further, boycott has now been knocked off his perch. But then, Dr. Gareth Carroll writes, an even earlier usage entirely unrelated to the world of cricket and from the other side of the Atlantic was recorded in 1986 when a NASA scientist, Dr. Raymond Colliday, presented a statement on the development of hydrogen as a source of fuel to the House of Representatives Subcommittee on Transportation, Aviation and Materials. During questions following his statement, Dr. Colliday spoke of the difficulty of finding the best altitude when attempting to reach speeds of up to Mach 25, mentioning the corridor of uncertainty as to what the optimum flight profile will be. There we go. Yeah. Take that, cricket. (laughs) Another one in the eye for cricket. Yeah. I mean, who's to say that Boycott wasn't studying this... And that's where he got the, um, you know, that's where he got the thing from. I don't know. Probably not. Yeah. I can imagine being a sort of a self-professed expert on space travel, Nick. 
uh, me or boycott boycott yeah yeah so uh, experts on absolutely everything so um and roundly ignored uh, by most people so. uh, james i'm i'm not inclined to um to disagree with Dr. Gareth Carroll's research here, because uh, I once emailed him to ask him to explain why footballers begin their interview answers with yeah, no. And he gave me <laughs> a fantastic response, full of theory. So uh, in, in my eyes, he's nailed it. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Nick, off the top of your head, could you tell me the most common types of barb, friendly barb, directed from commentator to co-commentator during the middle of a game? Uh, something if they knew them particularly well, something about their playing style, or you know, passport, or if they maybe on slightly more casual terms, golf, maybe. Yeah, good, good. James, any any advances on those? I think dress censored quite yeah. often, can't yeah. they, wouldn't it? And like sort of goal scoring record if they were a former pro, I think as well as sent forward certainly. Driving ability or type of car that they drive, of course. All all very standard entries for this for this particular pantheon, but uh, a new entry. From last Tuesday during Chelsea versus Lille, this is Darren Fletcher and Glenn Hoddle. Well, you would say, Glenn, they've probably got the biggest names in Europe on the back of the shirts tonight, Lille. They're massive, aren't they, the lettering? It's like the text on your phone. <laughs> <laughs> you can enlarge it. <laughs> nice, long silence here. There's Botman. And on we go, yes. So, um, uh, <laughs> James, I think it's on a subtly quite cruel thing to say, I think. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and presumably the only reason you tapped that is because your your vision wasn't twenty uh, twenty. Yeah. So yeah, I mean for, uh, to to get to make an observation about the size of the font on the back of a shirt to me is uh, is top draw stuff. But yeah, that does seem a little bit cruel. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's only saying you're old and I'm younger than you, and <laughs> reminding someone like Glenn Hoddle of his mortality seems a bit cruel as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Um, yeah, only only really close colleagues can. Could, could make such a such a joke, but yeah, happy with that as a as a new entry. Next up, Connor O'Keefe. Nick says Damien Delaney has just said on Premier Sports in Ireland that Watford's nil nil draw at Old Trafford was a smash and grab. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, obviously not, but uh, <laughs> I don't know what what uh, I. It was away over the weekend, so I didn't. Uh, wasn't following. The, was there a like uh, missed penalty, or was there something along those lines where it was particularly smashy and grabby? Don't no, don't think so. Don't think so. But I mean, James, the more I look at it, the more I'm kind of okay with it. It's yeah, a point. I, they took a point home. Yeah, they're taking more than you would expect them to get. Mm. And I, oh, no, but, I mean, I've not seen a game either, but I don't think it's unreasonable to assume that they were probably uh, camped inside their own penalty area for quite a lot of the game and yeah. probably had to, you know, resort to some fairly archaic defensive tactics at various points of the game. But so I don't think, you know, I, I, why, why would it not make sense? Nick getting very Jamie Redknapp in the background here. <laughs> I'm not having it. It's, it's rubbish. Um, no, that's the grab. Where's the smash? The smash is, or it should surely apply to like a late goal. 
you know, possibly from a corner, some kind of, you know, goalmouth scramble or something like that. Or, or maybe a, a spectacular. I'm getting bogged down into the specifics of the goal, but there has to be a, a, some kind of late goal that which doesn't reflect the overall balance of play mm. for it to be a smash and grab. Yeah, there was there was there was an element of grabbing, but there was no smashing. I yeah, think that's, exactly. Yeah, that's fair to say. Yeah, close but no cigar, Damien Delaney, but uh, stick at it because it could catch on. Uh, next up, um, perhaps a more open and shut case of misuse of a common footballing phrase. This is from Nick Poyser, um, who was listening to Kieran Trippier on the Football Daily podcast. Is it helpful that he's got more football just to come straight back into? You know, he's had big games, like a big game tonight. He's not had anything to stew over. When it's at a major tournament, an international tournament, you know you've got weeks without football. Yeah, of course. If you make a mistake or you miss a penalty, um, you want a game to come thick and fast, you know, just around the corner so that you can forget about that moment and, and, and try and uh, correct it in the next game. So, James, this feels like a very, um, you know, minimal transgression of the language of football, but uh, can't let it slide. Can't yeah, that's, it that slide. is an open, open and shut case, that isn't it? You can't. Uh, one game cannot come thick and fast. It can come fast, I suppose, but it can't come thick, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the sentiment, Nick, is fine. We we all understand this idea that you know, if if you screw up in a game, you need the next one to come quickly. Absolutely fine, but. <laughs> If we if we if we lay down the law here and say that one game can't come thick and fast, that seems absolutely fine to me. How many games are required? <laughs> How many? I come think I, I don't know. I think it's consecutive weeks of Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. I think is that does that thing that qualifies? So that's four but, games. But uh, well, no, that would be that would be five games if it's consecutive weeks of Saturday. So two weeks with midweeks. Yeah, in the middle. Yeah. Oh, I see sandwich between weekends. Yeah, yeah. So, so you got Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. That's five. Yeah. This is live maths, everyone. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Four to five games then, as thick and fast. James, will be happy with that because um, it's important. Yeah, I think, yeah, that sounds about about right. That's, that's kind of a, a suitable number of games to play yourself back into form, isn't it? I think it's not going to just be a one-off. It's mm. going to be uh, it's going to be a suggestion of an upturn. So yeah, that probably makes sense. And it would probably need to be more than four, Nick, to emphasise the fact that it's a lot of games coming up, and, and that that could you know pose complications in many ways. So like fatigue and whatnot. So it, four doesn't sound enough for it to sound arduous. So maybe five. Yeah, I think I think five is acceptable. I mean, it's that's that's the the, the base level. I think it can it can go on infinitely. But um, <laughs> could yeah. do. So could we. Um, <laughs> uh, right, next up, returning to a uh, very popular old theme of ours, but I couldn't ignore this from Charlie Samuel, who has um, alerted me to the new single from Rosalia, the mid-tempo TikTok-ready reggaeton track Chicken Teriyaki, which appears to contain the name of a Premier League cult hero. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we are. He Lovely. made it. He has made it. That's exactly what I was expecting. Well, yeah, I, I did wonder. I didn't want to give it away too much, Nick. But um, it, yeah. But yeah. I mean, I think we can see where, what's happened here, can't we? Yeah, I think so. Uh, but uh, but also, uh, is there a that? The, the, uh, presumably, the list of TikTokable referees is quite slim, but I think if if there's going to be anyone in that, that's going to be Mike Dean. Yeah, if he had to rhyme somebody's name with something, Mike Dean is probably Mike Dean and Drag Queen go together so perfectly, James, don't they? Yeah, yeah they do. You're not going to get Kalina in there, are you? No, <laughs> no, you're not. Uh, Mike Dean, of course, is a famous record producer, and that's why he's in the song. Uh, but I liked it nonetheless. Less glamorous scenes next, Nick. Allow yourself a deep, deep sigh as we begin to talk about corporate football banter. This is from London North Eastern Railway in response to Newcastle taking the three points home from Brentford on Saturday. They said, Hi, NUFC. If you're travelling with us back to Newcastle, we'll send the train manager down to charge for those extra tickets. We've had a tip-off that Joe Linton may be carrying the Brentford back four in his pocket. Nick, if we can just set aside for the moment the, the cringeworthiness of corporate social media banter, can we allow a striker turned midfielder having an entire back four in his pocket how many rules are we breaking here um well two that spring to mind instantly one one is i don't think you could have more than one person in your pocket well actually no th- it, it'll be 
three, won't it? Because you can't have more than one person in your back pocket. I, there has they have to be playing in like opposite positions, and also it's defender. It's someone who's doing the defending that has someone in their back pocket rather than someone who's doing the attacking. Is that does that cover it? Yeah, we're talking about toast again here, aren't we? We're back to toast, <laughs> are we? Yeah, he, back yeah, as an attacking, as more attacking player, he would have the Brentford defence on toast. Yeah, they wouldn't be in his pocket. Yeah, exactly right, exactly right. Um, but but can but can a midfielder have a defender on toast? Is that more of a not more of an attacking? Surely Jolinton Joe playing too far back in the pitch to for that to be no. Probably now, yeah, maybe like a sort of attacking like a playmaker or whatever probably could. But yeah, probably not. Is it, is this, Even this when just, he was a striker. Yeah, well, this is this just a uh, the result of a, a social media who, manager who's not up on the changing positions of former Brazilian forwards turned you know, dogged midfielders. It. That could possibly. be it, and I would I would understand that. But um, yeah. uh, to give um, this guy his dues, Cameron is is his name, James. As they're always want to put at the end of these messages, um, he's nailed the tone. Of these, I mean, he's abs. This is absolutely corporate social media strategy one hundred and one, tone wise, isn't it? Yeah, that is slightly. Yeah, like you say, it's kind of um, wry, but in, in the it, in the most it is a bit PG Alexander, way possible. It's, it's Alexander Armstrong's football banter on points, isn't it? It's in that kind of ballpark <laughs> of like very well-meaning and kind of enthusiastic, yeah. but seemingly not quite getting it and just yeah. being kind of polite. Absolutely, yeah. Joe Linton for his sins. Next up. This is from Jack Pierce. I, I get periodically inundated, Nick, with clips of in-house commentary teams from various clubs and their, how shall I put this, looser interpretation of uh, impartiality. Um, this is from Fulham's pairing of Jamie Reed and Gentleman Jim McGullion, who sounds like a wrestling figure from the <laughs> mid-90s, as the championship leaders see out the last few seconds of a hard-fought away win at Cardiff. Fulham look like they've ground out another result. He can blow his whistle as soon as he likes, Mr Doughty. Even Cavalero's gone to the ground there, holding his face. The referee stopped the game. It makes no difference if he saw it or not. It's a head injury. Well, Aidan Flint... It's a head injury. Don't keep shouting, he didn't oh, see Oh, yeah, he's it. elbowed him right done. in the face. Let's, uh, let's, let's have a look at that replay and see what you think of that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Andrew. He's elbowed him right in the face. I hope you're proud of yourself. Makes <laughs> no, that don't make any difference. You've still done it. <laughs> Wait for it. Oh, that's all right then, yeah. Oh, right, yeah, so you can go up to their goalkeeper and cut his throat as long as the referee doesn't see it. That's all right, is it? Bloody hell. The, the breaking of, the, you know, the partial breaking of, of radio's fourth wall, if such thing could possibly exist, of them chatting away to a spectator as, as, they're, as they're chuntering along. Uh, the analogy at the end is absolutely, well, not the analogy, the, the hypothetical situation at the end is something to behold. Just the the escalation of it is just extraordinary. Is this uh, this possibly the closest uh, I've heard to the famous rugby league commentary? Oh. You know the you know <laughs> doesn't stay. get him walking. You that one. Yeah, yeah. That, that wasn't Gentleman Jim, was it? By the way, with the, the throat cutting thing, that was I the other thing, right? I think it was. I believe that oh, was wow. Gentleman Jim McGullion. Yes. As no, I, nothing that just doesn't seem very full, and none of that feels very full to me. It's not very fun, but gentleman. Now, you, now you mentioned gentleman Jim is this, is also the sort of nickname that you might give to a, a sort of minor Cray associate. Yeah, exactly. Like, that is true, actually. Yeah. So yeah, someone someone who will quite happily cut your throat, but wear a suit at the same time. So oh, he's not, and he's not, he's good to his mum as well. So yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Bare knuckle boxer from the from the late nineteen seventies. I'm also interested in who exactly it is that he's having the. Is, is it? Are we assuming that this is a a fan near yeah. the, near the press box or something? Not so. a, not maybe not a rival, and unless it's unless it was Cardiff's in-house commentator, gentleman yeah. Hugh, or something. <laughs> but we could try and find the Cardiff commentary to see if you can hear more of that conversation. Yeah, and kind of meld them together. This is a profile of gentleman Jim, as passionate and avid as any Fulham fan could be. Jim is someone who embodies everything which is expected from a die-hard supporter. Be it jubilant or damning, his words of conveyance at every touch, flick and blast of the ball paints a vibrant picture for us all to envision, alongside raising notable, plausible points of discussion or indeed debate on all matters surrounding our beloved, beautiful club by the river. That's from Fulham Focus. Wow. Um, 
it reads like a it reads like a hotel description or something. <laughs> it reads to me. It, it reads like one of those um, the the when people are represented by those like after dinner speaking agencies, like the yeah. blurb for for them. You know, yeah. presumably he does a roaring trade in I don't know Fulham after dinner, whatever. It, sounds, it reads like that to me. A very odd description, but um, but yeah, I want to hear more from him in the coming weeks, please. Right elsewhere in the championship, James. Deep sigh, because, of course, Birmingham City temporarily rebranded themselves as Small Heath Alliance to promote hugely popular BBC drama Peaky Blinders. <laughs> That's um, the exact <laughs> level of disdain that I yeah, give when I say that They as went well. on to lose to Huddersfield Town, whose official Twitter account tweeted and then deleted three points coming home by order of Huddersfield Town. Comfortable win on the road against the Leaky Blinders. That's oh. good. Why'd they delete that? That's, no, that's not bad. <laughs> I think that's good. Exactly. Yeah. Given what it's responding to, it's already yeah, tedious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's absolutely fine. Yeah, Peaky, I, I, this this Birmingham thing, I think, is outrageous. It Genu- is out. like, genuinely, really, it's a B, it's a BBC program, isn't yeah. it? So that, I, I mean, that, for, for reasons that I, you know don't really make sense, that kind of makes it a bit more okay. I think. <laughs> Because they're public broadcasters, so for some reason, that, in my mind, that makes it a bit more palatable. But yeah, I don't. It's just you know when it was the last series of. Um, oh, hang on a minute! I'm going to have to think of another TV program now. Any other TV program? Like West Ham have never changed their name to Wolford Rovers or whatever. When EastEnders <laughs> is when someone True. shot Phil Mitchell. Yeah. West Ham didn't change their name or Leighton Orient or whoever. Yeah. Like what I just don't understand. Oh, this flat cap thing is utter bollocks, isn't it? Yeah. Sorry. I know that's a slight tangent, but I mean, come oh, no, on. No, no, we, no, we should address that point as well, because Nick, I mean, maybe I should do more research into this particular topic, but I feel like Peaky Blinders is the least cool theme that is fancy dress, club rebranding or otherwise, that it's possible to do at the moment, because there's just something really... I don't know what it is. I don't know what it's it so is. It's so stag do. It's so stag do. It's very stag do. And there's, there's clearly only one catchphrase you can use and they rinsed it for the whole weekend. Yeah. I mean, it does... But, but it, it, maybe the, the, the BBC thing is, is part of the problem because it because it doesn't quite lend it an air of legitimacy, but it does seem slightly more acceptable. So maybe they, they think well, this is a... Very cool and original idea that no one else has has come up with. So going going back to cricket, they, they whenever whenever the, there seems to be a, uh, an international game at, um, at Edgbaston, they roll out this bit of Bumble Lloyd and and uh, some you know or some other people dressed in the flat caps and the suits and pretending to be. I don't know, but also it's Birmingham. It's not like it's it's like it would be understandable if this was some kind of like small village in yeah. the middle of nowhere who is the only possible thing that anyone associates with it with is this thing like yeah. if midsummer had a uh, had a football team or something <laughs> like that i don't know how that i don't know how that would that that would quite work you're but, onto something here like, but how Birmingham high is up big... the pyramid should this be allowed nick how high up the pyramid would you be allowed this i, I think like combined counties yeah but but it's also a bit, it's about the size of the the size of the place as well i mean what Surely there are other things to do with Birmingham that we you know have been just been pushed to the to the side in the last few years. Well, peaky blind. They have they have debased themselves they as have. a football club they and have. possibly as a city. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I, should be ashamed of themselves. And do you know, as with all of these sorts of things, James, I looked into it. Thought maybe there's some sort of charity angle here. No, no, it's not. It's not. It's peaky <laughs> it's fucking blinders. Plug in a nap TV show. Oh god, yeah, honestly, honestly. Anyway, let's move on. Let's move on indeed, Nick, because next up is Silencing the Home Crowd, MLS edition. The uh, 2022 MLS season kicked off at the weekend. Uh, Portland Timbers taking on the New England Revolution. Uh, Portland Timbers, for the uninitiated, have a guy called Joey Weber, a.k.a. Timber Joey, who saws a slab of wood off a 12-foot log every time they score a goal at Providence Park. They, uh, they equalised against New England Revolution with, uh, around about the hour mark. But the visitors swiftly restored their lead. Thought it was soccer game, and no one would really think anything of it. That's how it began. Here's McNamara now. Jones on the run. Jones across the jet. Oh, it's the Rams back in front. <laughs> Barely a minute Stop. after the Timbers tie it. New England retake the lead. I mean, that is like that bubble machine at West Ham going off, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you can, it's the American equivalent of a bubble, bubble machine. Yeah. 
In terms oh, there must have been sawdust in the air, surely lingering. <laughs> and there'll be a shot of the Portland manager with sawdust kind of in in the foreground. It can't just, be safe to just stop your saw like that, Nick. Well, no, I mean, I could just imagine him. Also, why is he watching the game if he's got, if he's ha- handling a chainsaw? I want him right. to be entirely his eyes on the job. He shouldn't be paying attention to whether the other team's scoring. But I can just imagine him halfway through this saw and then just looking ne- looking at someone just get off a. F- <laughs> and d- but, but what happens? What happens if he's presumably he's halfway th- if he's halfway through it? He he's now stopped. It? Does he have to finish it later? Because then if if Portland then scored another one, he would. He couldn't just finish that one as as yeah. a whole new. Ah, it's, it's, uh, it's a logistical moment. The answer. I mean, it, it, the game finished two two, so he had another opportunity to saw James. But I'm going to have to assume that he finished the job for the first one and didn't go again. But um, who knows? Could he not have gone to the other end of the log? And just cut from. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but he's, st- he's he's still left with half a thing. Well, can, but... After the game, he can go back and finish that off. Yeah. But I, yeah. I, th- I think we can all agree that the funny thing is that him just, uh, you know, abruptly <laughs> yeah. stopping soaring sure. as the goal goes in uh, and the ultimate act of silencing a home crowd I've ever, ever seen. Nick, we're in a, in the midst of uh, inflation all over the shop here, um, but uh, Hibs defender Rocky Bashiri has taken it up a notch or two. Ahead of the visit from league leader Celtic, he said, it's exciting. You want to do good against the top teams. Everyone is 2,000% motivated. I'm sure we will give our best and do our best. The thing about this, Nick, is that it's both massively and wildly exaggerated, but yet also very precise because he's he's picked 2,000. It really is a great balance. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what to make of that. I mean, he's, he's he, it feels like he is escalated without any kind of concept of, of where he's going from there. I mean, yeah. That's a lot of motivation. Um, Craig Anderson asks, James, is this the biggest hyperbolic football percentage ever seen? I'm inclined to say yes. I mean, I don't think I'm I've ever sure seen it more is. than that. I mean, I think you're right. I can imagine people going to 1,000 fairly regularly, but to just double that and go for 2,000. Yeah. I mean, I would say, if, if anything, they're too motivated, though, aren't they? And we've seen that before. I'm sure, surely, I mean, oh, well, I mean, the game has happened now. Did they have, like, four players sent off for meaty challenges? I mean... Know. Just finished nil-nil, so, you know, but who knows? Um, good, good I, can, I can imagine Jamie Redknapp saying 1 million percent. 1 yeah, million like, percent. That's <laughs> that is true. 1 million percent. It's um, so 1 million percent so, rubbish. Not having it. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh, so 2,000 percent may or may not be the football record, but uh, boxer Anthony Joshua still holds the world record for this. When asked if he was going to go back for a potential third meeting with Andy Ruiz Jr., Joshua replied, 1 trillion percent. 1 trillion percent. <laughs> that's like, that's incredible. That's an incredible amount of percent. Too much, I would say. Too much. Finally then, I won't say the moment we've all been waiting for, but the moment that we have spiritually been leading up to. This is this week's Keys and Grey Corner. And there's a lovely trajectory to this, Nick and James, because Keys and Grey were charting the last hours of Marcelo Bielsa's leads. This first clip is from before the game, before they were thumped by Spurs at Elland Road. And some early boxes were being ticked here. I mean, I remember the days when, when David O'Leary was, had a great Leeds team yes, he up did. and firing, got them to the semi-final of the Champions League. His, and everyone thought... His that, babies. His babies. <laughs> got them to the Champions League semi-finals and, and really competing in the Premier League. They're a million miles away from that at the moment. But Bielsa seems as secure as the day he walked through the door. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I find that... I, I really struggle to come to terms with that. So <laughs> these early boxes being Ticknick are referencing a clearly a friend of Beard Sports, which is David O'Leary, and just Richard Key's early exasperation at the whole thing, as if as if it's you know just things aren't going the way he wants them to. Struggling to come to terms with it is a, a sensational <laughs> phrase. It's like like he's just been given some really bad news. I'm struggling to come to terms with this, but this uh, concept that Marcello Bielsa might not get sacked. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I realise that David O'Leary did pop up on the screen as they were talking, James, but what relevance is Leeds United's Champions League run of the early 2000s to any of this? Yeah, I mean, given famously that that, that run effectively cost them their place in the Premier League because they spent so much money chasing that dream that they were then broke and then had to sell everyone and got relegated. <laughs> and then it's taken Bielsa coming in to get them back into the Premier League in the first place. He's a bloke who's basically fixed the problems that yeah. were caused 
in 99, 2000 or whenever when they went chasing that. This is too easy already. This is too easy already. Almost feels like we shouldn't be doing it, but we are going to do it because at half time, with Leeds 3-0 down, I believe, Nick, this was their take. I don't get it. I'm sorry. I I know I haven't coached at that that, that, that level with, uh, like Bielsa has done and is doing, but I'm sorry. As you said, what's that statement you said the other day? If you the, keep the doing... The definition of madness. Yeah. As if you keep doing the wrong things... Keep doing time, the same things and expecting a different outcome. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> James, my favourite thing here, in fact, the only thing you hear really, is the, the hint of implication here that Grey thinks Keyes first coined that phrase before anybody <laughs> ever did. A <laughs> <laughs> phrase what was it you came up with. Perfect phrase. Perfect. It's, it's that, there's this kind of come on hand gesture that Keyes has given that's just completely distracting me from everything else. There. He's like really beckoning. He's almost like inviting Gray to praise him. Yeah. He's making this kind of come on, come on, come on. Mm. It's, it's, um, it's really wonderful. The, the other interest, the, the ni- nice thing about that was a, a little hint of um, uh, uh, an old favourite there was, uh, was a, a bit of Phil Neal in the impossible job about that. It was like <laughs> them just confirming each other's yeah. statements. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. very much part of their chemistry, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, very much on the same page. Then we got to full time and huge dollops of irony here as they picked apart the impending doom for Marcelo Bielsa. He seems to be a coach who is stuck with what he believes. Well, they're going down. He's stuck with that. He's, what is he, in his 60s now? So he's not going to change his beliefs now, Richard. He really isn't. Now, what Leeds fans are seeing is what Leeds fans but, are but getting. Andy, I, I, sorry, everything you say... It, <laughs> he's in his 60s not change his... That's just naive. Yes, we said it against it's Liverpool. We said it against Liverpool, we said it against United. We stood here and said exactly the same things. You cannot play that way. You play man-for-man marking against better players, you get done. This is what's happening. Look at them. (laughs) I don't know what he can say to them in his broken English that's going to lift these guys. I really don't. If if he had something to say to them, he'd have done it before now, surely. I mean, the scary thing if you're a Leeds fan, I said to you, when you look at that table, now I know they might think not, but if Everton get a point, we're approaching full keys here, by the way. Only win tonight. Leeds are in the bottom three. Minus thirty-one goal difference. Sixty goals conceded. <laughs> Sixty goals <sighs> conceded. I put it to you, Nick, that that colossal exhale at the end from Richard Keys is the loudest ever recorded by a Premier League broadcaster. <laughs> it's incredible. It's and it's yeah the exasperation that the world is not listening to Keezy and look what happens yeah yeah um, James I particularly enjoyed um, Andy Gray referring to Bielsa's broken English yeah yeah well wow. I really enjoyed I, I mean I'm assuming this is the irony you were kind of bat- batting at two men in their mid sixties who never changed their opinion <laughs> yeah, talking about a guy in his sixties not changing his opinion I know I am um, beyond parody. It was so skirting so close to parody, but could they go beyond? Could they go beyond parody? Let's find out. This is when Bielsa was sacked on Sunday. So the new man, the in sports sources tell us, is Jesse Marsh. Well, who is Jesse Marsh? American citizen, uh, two international caps, has worked with Ralph Ranjik. He was assistant to Bob Bradley at international level at one point. But other than, other than that... That's about it. I'm confused with the appointment. I know it had been touted. I, I, I think that you appoint someone called Jesse Marsh, who pretty much knows nothing about the Premier League, not worked in it, not applied his trade in it, um, and you ask him to come in to the most difficult league in world football and say, rescue this team that's there at the moment, confidence-wise, belief-wise, everything. And you ask a guy, untried, at this kind of level, to do that, um, I, I don't think but Leeds fans... But with a impressive CV in fairness, and I can understand what? why Leeds, as they were with Bielsa, are interested in doing something slightly different. Were you to ask me uh-huh. what I would do at this point... OK, let me ask you. I would, I would be on the phone to Sam Allardyce as we speak, mm-hmm. and I would say, we only have one objective this year, Sam, and you've done it many times, all right, not with West Brom, but just get us safe. Mm-hmm. Where do we begin? I want to begin, Nick, with the words American citizen. 
Are they tiring him or extraditing him? I can't figure it out. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's like it's like there's some, some some sort of technicality to his like. Well, you know, he was actually born in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, but technically he's an American <laughs> citizen. So does that make him more qualified or not? Mm, I'll be you be the judge. Very odd thing to say, and then and then and then Gray saying, "I mean, I might be misinterpreting what he was going for here, James." But he said, "When you hire someone called Jesse Marsh, as if his name does. works against him." Yeah, uh, is it a kind of child? Is that what it is? Like a childish sort of suggestion that he has a girl's name? I yeah, don't I, I, know. absolutely, it's absolutely. It's just not it's football manager enough name. It it would appear. If his name was Hank Marsh, would it have been, would that have been more suitable? <laughs> I mean, uh, that seems quite American still. <laughs> Butch March. Uh, Butch, yeah, Butch is good. Yeah. Butch March the third. Um, Buster. Sorry, I could, just, <laughs> I could do this Marsh. for an hour. Oh dear. Uh, and then Key's having to having to point out to his credit that uh, Sam Allardyce has, has got every single team out of trouble except for West Brom, which is <laughs> his most recent effort. <laughs> <laughs> There's also uh, it, this was subtle, and I, I, I confess I don't watch enough beer in sports to know if this is. Um, this is a common thing that Gray does, but there was a couple of times where, for emphasis, he looks straight down the barrel of the camera. Yep. Usually, this is obviously a conversation between Gray uh, Keys and Gray, as like there's no one else actually listening to it. But there were a couple of times where Gray just kind of s- s- stared into the souls of the viewer, as if to you know really force home what a foolish thing this was doing mm. that Leeds were doing, uh, appointing this Jesse Marsh. Mm. Mm. I just yeah, I, I think my standout moment from the whole episode, all you know, pre-game against Spurs, all the way through to the sacking, James was when Keys got to his highest possible register and went naive, frighteningly naive. <laughs> uh, I, I did enjoy Bob Bob Brad Bob Bradley Bob in the in the Keys Bradley. voice. That was good. Yeah, I mean uh, Bob Bradley, of course, as we've established many times before. Is, is is the benchmark for scepticism towards US managers, Nick. And I feel like Jesse Marsh, despite his Bundesliga, you know, his bulletproof Bundesliga credentials, is still going to have a little element of this, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Bob Bradley was out of his depth, so you know, what about what about someone who hasn't get, even got a bloke's name? That's what. <laughs> God, that's <laughs> that's keasy. Oh dear, my goodness, um, James. I mean. How must Charlie Eccleshare feel not being here for the for the most bumper edition of Keys and Grey will ever do? He's going to be genuinely livid. He will he's be. Going to be really upset. Don't know yeah. what he's doing. No idea what he's doing. Shame. Shame on him. But uh, lucky for us, uh, James. Thanks so much for stepping into his shoes. Thank you. And lovely uh, shoes they are. Yeah, fantastic. Nick, pleasure to have you back. Enjoy your travels. Thank you. And uh, we'll see everyone on Thursday for Mesut Harland Dicks. Cheerio. The Athletic.